I've had a few bar owners one minute before the event starts change their mind and like charge me like double. So you just pay for that out of pocket? Some of them, yeah. And the last minute they'll be like, listen, like, uh, you know, the opportunity cost of tonight is too high. And I was like, that just ruined my entire night. Cause now I'm just thinking about how much money I lost. Andrew Young, he throws some of the biggest tech events and parties in New York City. His events have been featured on Bloomberg, Morning Brew, and Jason Calacanis' This Week in Startups. He has organized over a hundred events in five different cities, from throwing dinner parties for friends to now running a thousand person plus events. Andrew is taking over the New York tech scene. Do you have a moment like that for events where you were just like, this is gonna be a thing for me. Like this is gonna be part of like the legacy. Like people are gonna know me for doing events. The Williamsburg Hotel. And I did four events there over summer. Built the entire rooftop. There's like a water tower in the top. Yeah, yeah. Where you I know, can go up there and you can watch. And I went up there during my event and I saw these people like walking around meeting new people, um, you know, having energizing conversation and everyone had a smile on their face. And I was like, I, I got to like play a role in doing that. That was really cool. You know what, actually, let's touch on that quickly. The Sampar and Sahil Bloom event. What was even like your experience like working with them? How was it? Before we get into the video, YouTube analytics say that 90% of you guys are not subscribed to the channel. If you wanna see even bigger guests, better conversations, please subscribe. It really helps us grow the podcast. And with that, onto the video. Welcome to the Callum Johnson Show. Uh, on today's episode, we have Andrew Young. Andrew, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. <laughs> nice. We like to go with the rolling, the rolling intro. Yeah. Um, cool, man. So in, in my mind, you can tell me what you think of this. In my mind, you're like the king of New York City tech events. <laughs> That's the title I've given you. Um... But why don't we start by just like introduce yourself to the audience, yeah. like what you do, what you've been building, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, starting with like my career background, uh, I'm a tech operator. So uh, currently a product lead at Google. Uh, before that, I worked at Facebook or Meta. And then before that, I worked at like a telco company. Um, I'm pretty new to New York. So I've been here for about two years. Uh, and what I like to usually share in my intro is that I've lived in uh, five different countries. So spent about 20 years in Asia, born in Hong Kong. I'm Cantonese, uh, moved to Taipei and then moved to Shanghai, moved to Toronto. And then in 2020, uh, moved to New York City, which is uh, how I started my community building, my party throwing journey um, in the middle of COVID. Um, and, you know, I, I do the events. Um, out of the events, I also run like a deal flow newsletter. I coach job seekers. I advise some startups. I run a job board. So uh, think of it as you know, I have these events where a lot of people go to, and then coming out of that, I have a few sort of mechanisms to help the, the various groups in the, uh, you know, in the picture, help them sort of hire, recruit, do better in business, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And just to be like, um, to the scale of it, I would say like, if you work in tech in New York, you've most likely been to one of your events at this point. This episode is brought to you by Free Agency. If you want to take your career to the next level, Free Agency is a company that you should check out. They manage and represent talent in the tech industry, and they provide you with a dedicated talent agent to help you find, engage, and win top-of-market roles that will maximize your earning potential. No more leaving money on the table. Stop job searching alone and start building your dream career today with Free Agency. Anyway, back to the show. Um, <laughs> like, I feel like people I've spoken yeah. to that I've like, even if I've mentioned that I'm doing this episode, they're like, oh yeah, like I know that guy. Cool. Like, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, how many events would you even say, like if you were gonna do it like, by a week or by a month, like how many do you even do? Yeah, the, uh, the total number is over a hundred uh, in the last two years. And this includes like the small dinners, like the yeah. 12, eight person dinners. Um, every week, I'll probably do like once, a like one a week, one every two weeks consistently. Yeah. And then in the summer really ramps up. Yeah. Cause you got nice weather, you got rooftops. And so I'm always trying to find a reason to do an event because the venues are like, there are more venues available. Yeah. Um, so about on average, I would say about like one a week. Okay, nice, nice. And I, I even liked in the intro, you kind of, um, you've just been in a lot of different places. Like you've done a lot of different things. Um, but I want to I wanna hone in, I want to hone in on the events. Like what, you said you started during COVID, right? What even, what prompted it? Was yeah. it like, and in COVID, it must have been like virtual events, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a really good question. <laughs> I, I've never done a virtual event, I don't think. Really? Okay. Um, I, I'm all about like IRL. 
So like virtual, um, like video, I'm not a huge fan of video calls. It just, it doesn't feel as real. Mm. So I'm glad, I'm so glad we did this in person. It's just a way, a way different energy. But for me, it's like, I, you know, I've always wanted to live in New York City and I've lived in so many different cities in my life. And each time I'm like, what's like a doper city? And like every time it sort of points to like New York City, like mm. one of the dopest cities in the world. Um, timing wise, it just ended up being strange that, you know, I, I moved during COVID, but that was when like my job, uh, pivot happened and and it just sort of made sense then. Uh, so for me, when I when I finally got into New York in August 2020, um, I was like, I'm here to like meet people. I'm here to like build like a you know whole new like social circle. I didn't really know that many people at the time, and so what I started doing was uh, making friends online. I was new to Twitter back then, uh, so I used Twitter. I used like Fishbowl. If you heard of Fishbowl, yeah, for consultants and stuff. I used Blind LinkedIn. And I was like, how do, you know, how do I just build my network from, uh, you know, online? And, uh, you know, at that time it was COVID. So I did like Central Park meetups and dinners outdoors and stuff. Uh, so I started uh, bringing people from like the virtual world to the IRL, IRL world. Um, and then from there, it sort of like scaled into like happy hours and then into like, you know, big rooftop things and big parties. Yeah. You remember like your, like the first event that had like, I don't even know. Like over like 50 people, like 100 people. You remember that? Yeah, I think uh, I so I used to like rent out a portion of the bar called uh, Kingston Hall. Okay. Uh, it was in East Village and like it's a free venue. So for anyone watching, they can it's probably still free. You can host like 50 to 100 people for free. And I would just invite people from like um, like Fishbowl. I would put a form on Fishbowl and I was like, who like, you know, like who wants to meet friends who, you know, who just moved to the city and wants to like make new friends. Mm. Um, and then I would sort of like try to curate a little bit yeah yeah but that was the yeah that was the first one i like the first bar that i would do consistently um over 50 people yeah you know it's interesting it's like an interesting way to get into the space because even obviously for me like i grew up in london from the uk um when i moved to the states i was initially in jersey because my mom lives in jersey and then about 18 months ago just over 18 months ago i moved into new york and I have the same thing as you. I'm like, I'm in this massive city. Um, like, how do I meet people? But I was like, I'm just trying to meet like a few guys and like form a group or something. I'm not like, I'm yeah. going to do like events. <laughs> so like in your mind, what kind of took it from, you know, I just want to make like a, like a friends group or just know like yeah. a few people in the city. To like, I'm going to be hosting these like baller ass events and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's a really good point. A really good question. I don't think anyone has asked me that before. Um, it's mostly like, you know, the original intention was to make a few friends and mm -hmm. have like, have like my circle. Um, but then I kept meeting like cooler and cooler people, interesting people. And every time you meet and you probably have this like tendency as well, but every time you meet someone really interesting, you sort of think in the back of your head, like, who can I connect them to mm. sort of bring that relationship to a new level mm. uh, or like the most tangible example. If, if you meet a founder in a space that's fundraising and then you meet like an investor in that exact same space. Like you just, you have an itch to like, just connect them. Mm. Right. And so that's what I did. And I just kept scaling mm. um, and it got bigger and bigger. And my intention was never to, um, you know, like have like a thousand person party. Mm. It was uh, meet some people, meet interesting people. And that was like um, sort of the, my number one value when I moved here, meet interesting people. And then it just sort of like snowballed from there. Yeah. I feel like that's actually, I feel like that's like a natural talent because at least for me, and maybe it's just because I don't see things in like the, from the perspective of someone that does events. My, when I see someone that I'm like, oh, I really get on with this person. Um, it is definitely not within my like first five thoughts. Like who <laughs> could I connect this person to? <laughs> yeah. I feel like in my mind, I'd be like, I'd be like, oh, that person's like cooler. We should like hang yeah. out again or some, something like that. Or like, yeah. Uh, now that obviously I do a podcast, I'm like, oh, would they be like interesting to get on the pod kind right. of thing? right. Um, I actually think being a connector is a skill um, and a really powerful skill because, and I'll see it even in this podcast, a lot of people get opportunities through their network. So obviously we speak with like a, a ton of entrepreneurs, like founders, a lot of the ways they found um, or even they met their co-founder someone like introduced them like it was a connection mm -hmm. or the way that they found like their lead investor or their first investor it was a connection so the role that you play as a connect is actually a crucial one right um 
Yeah, I, I guess I sort of see it as a, um, I'm just like always trying to problem solve. And mm. this might be a, you know, it's a blessing and a curse because when I meet someone, I'm immediately always like, like one, I want to get to know you. And like two, what are your goals? And like, mm. what are you trying to accomplish? And then once you share those goals with me, I'm like, I want to connect you to this person who's mm. done it before or who can help you get there. Mm. And I don't know, that's, that's always like in the back of my mind, there's an itch. I'm always trying to get to like the deep stuff, which is mm. like, what are your dreams? Because we all moved to New York for a reason and it's probably to, you know, accomplish your dreams. Mm. And, uh, and that's like the best thing to sort of talk about. It's the most energizing type of conversation you can have is like, what are your dreams and ambitions? Mm. So you would say, so I, I'm always trying to think, I'm like, what is the, like, what is the feeling? Like, what is the yeah. motivation? Um, you would say just helping someone achieve something that they've always wanted to do. That's like just um, almost like scratches an itch. Like it's like, it's just satisfying being able to do that. Like, what do you think motivates you having that, that thought? Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's, it's probably an element of that. Um, when, I, when I first started my job at Facebook, there were like a ton of people trying to break into like Bang or like big tech. And for like three, four months, I opened up my calendar to literally anyone who wanted coaching. Mm. And I loved like that coaching thing. I loved like helping people like revamp their resumes, prep for interviews. Like I love that interview thing. Um, and so I think, yeah, it's, a, it's an innate tendency to sort of help people become like the best version of themselves and like elevate their performance. And like my newsletters, it's probably still this way, but it started off as like helping you accelerate your growth and performance. Mm. Um, and so it's always, I think it's always just been sort of an innate thing. Mm. You know what's interesting? I think, um, I know in my story, I know in the story of people that we've had on the pod and people that I've just spoken to in life, anyone that's achieved something um, big or that was special to them, there was always usually one person that like believed first. Mm. There's always one person that gave them like the first shot. Before, a lot of the times as well, it was before they were really ready. I know I've had that. Like I've had certain, yeah. certain guests say yes. And then as soon as they say yes, you're like, fuck. You're <laughs> like, now I actually need to be like ready to interview this guy. Yeah. Um, Interesting. If, you were, if yeah. you were gonna like reflect on your own yeah. journey, who's someone that you think like that person, that person really helped me and like pushed me forward? Um, who is that person for you? Yeah. Um, you know, this guy immediately comes to mind, but he was my very first uh, mentor. Um, so when I had moved to Canada, uh, I didn't really know anyone, but I had sort of one like distant family friend. Uh, his name is uh, Greg Mack, you know, giving him a, a shout out. Um, he was the one that taught me uh, how to build like my first resume. And he's always be been like a really high performer, uh, super accomplished. Um, when I was a student, like he was like a really dope management consultant worked at and then worked at Google worked at snap. And at the time, and still to this day, I'm like, wow, that's incredible. Mm. It's an incredible career journey. And he would always carve out so much time for me. And like, I think back then I was kind of like a piece of shit. Uh, like I had no discipline. Um, I, you know, I wasn't very put together, wasn't very buttoned up. And I was just like, I like to play. And I was sort of like, um, like not the best like teenager, uh, but he like really invested a lot of time in me mm. and taught me how to interview, um, gave me a ton of opportunities. And that was like the first time I saw, well, not the first time, but that, one, that was like a really significant time in which I saw uh, someone being very kind and very generous. Um, and to this day, um, you know, he still does stuff like that. Like when COVID mm. hit and, you know, there were like the mass layoffs, uh, everyone was like losing their job. And he, would, he opened up his calendar for everyone on LinkedIn and coached mm. over 100 people in a span of like, you know, a few months. Mm. And he's just like a, a giver, a pure giver. Um, he's kind, he's generous. And I, I think that is just really uh, inspiring. Mm. And that's, I think, in the back of my head and probably proactively as well, uh, that's someone that I want to um, emulate. You know, he's mm -hmm. a very brilliant, kind human being. Mm. Oh, that's a good thing to strive for. That's a good thing to strive for. Okay, cool. So um, you start doing the events. Um, I, love, I love talking to people about this moment. Um, which is like the moment where it goes from like, okay, maybe I've done like a, a few like cool events and people have shown up and uh, actually no, before I, before I get into that, yeah, I know like when, okay. So when I put out my podcast, right, 
you have all of these like doubts and like insecurities before you ever do shit. Right. And like one of the things for me, I was like, will anyone listen to this thing? Like, will I put it out? And it's like three listeners. One is my mom. The other is like my dad. And then like some random guy from like Twitter. Um, I always like, I like to, to hear these stories because I feel like it's inspiring for people that they maybe have something that they're striving for, but they have all this doubt along that journey. When you were starting out, what were some of like the like insecurities or like doubts that you had about whether this was even something that you could do and like hmm. it would have traction and people yeah. would care about it? Damn, such good questions. Uh, really good questions. Um, so when I, I didn't really have those, have those doubts when I first started because when I first started doing events, it was very small, mm. eight to 12 people and um, very curated. So I sort of knew like most of the people would show up. It wasn't like, is anyone even going to come? I had like sort of pre-wired and I had set expectations. I'm like, come, this person will be there. So mm. I'd, I think I'd run it pretty well. Um, when they started getting a little bit bigger and at that time I was trying to build um, trust with like, hospitality leaders mm. because at one point when i was like scaling to like let's say from 50 person events to like 200 um the, the venues were like a pain in the butt like that whole process is incredibly annoying you have to put your card down you lose a bunch of money most of the time mm. um, i was like how do i build trust with those guys uh so that i can just automate that part of the process and for them i was like is anyone even going to show up at mm. your event and i'm like i need a 1000 person venue um and they just they didn't know who I was. And at that point, I was like just a guy who had done a few dinners. So that, that was a huge thing. I was like, are people going to show up? And when I first started doing events, I think it was like a 30 to 40% attendance rate. I tweeted about this, but 100, if 1,000 people RSVP'd, like 300 or 400 would show up. Mm. Um, maybe that was a COVID thing. And over time, that has increased. But now it's about 80%, which is why there, there are lines. And I really need to manage that. But to sort of like uh, sum up, yeah, it was, are people even going to show up? Mm. And if, if, you know, if not, why aren't they? And, and you start starting to explore that a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so here's what I was going to mention before I, before I said that question, which was like, um, and I remember it vividly with this podcast. I think it was the fourth episode I recorded and I enjoyed all of the, the first few ones, but like the first two or three, you're just kind of like nervous and like just trying to bring your mind to the fact that you're actually doing this. And then it was the fourth one. And I remember the guest, Ruben Harris. Um, and it was like, I was so like present in the conversation and our energies just matched. And I was like, it was like, I was sold. I was like, okay, this is it. Like I'm doing this shit. Like a yeah. hundred, <laughs> I'm doing like hundreds of this. Um, you have a moment like that for events where you, I don't know, maybe you were like in an event, maybe it was like reflecting after, maybe it was someone that you met from doing an event where you were just like, it went from, I'm just doing like dinners mm -hmm. and just trying to meet cool people in New York to this is going to be a thing for me. Like this is going to be part of like the legacy. Like people are going to know me for doing events. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, so I think like, you know, I don't think events are like the end state for me. Yeah, and it's probably, you know, podcasting might be or might not be the end state for you. Yeah. Um, I think events is, is just like the starting point. I don't really know what's next, but I, I, I do want it to transform and evolve. But there are a few moments that sort of gave me the feeling that you're, you're talking about, which is like one of them um, was the Williamsburg Hotel. Have you been to one of those events before? It was during the summer. I've been to the Williamsburg Hotel, yeah. but I don't think I went to your one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the rooftop is beautiful yeah. and the sunset there is beautiful. And I did four, four events there over summer, um, filled the entire rooftop and there's like a water tower in the top yeah, yeah, where I you know, can go I up there and you can watch. And I went up there during my event and I saw these people like walking around, meeting new people, um, you know, having energizing conversation and everyone had a smile on their face. Yeah. And I was like, I, I got to like play a role in doing that. Mm. Um, that was really cool. Uh, like I the think, Great Gatsby or some shit. Huh? Have you watched the Great Gatsby? I, I have. I have. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what that would remind <laughs> me of. <dude. laughs> yeah, a little bit. Like you're just like you're watching the the product you've created. Yeah. Um. And so that was really cool, and and that's why I'm sort of interested in the hospitality angle of all this as well. 
Uh, but then afterwards, like people DM me and they were like, I met my co-founder. I met my first investor. Um, you know, I met a girl. Uh, mm. And I was like, damn, that's cool. That's mm. like a lot of power. Not in the, not in the sort of like the, the negative sense, but more so in like you have the power to influence people in, in a positive way by creating a space for them to, uh, to connect and, and build community. And that was when I was like, I have to keep doing this. That's, that's like, um, mm. you know, that, that, that's, uh, that's my mission. I have to keep doing that so people have that space. Yeah. No, I always think it's always the impact on, on others that I think keeps you doing it. Because I know for podcasting, it's probably even more for events. There's so much work that goes into it that no one will ever see. And it's not really about removing the work. Like, you don't really do that. It's like you just have to make the work worth it. And mm. I think moments yeah. like that, when you see the impact on other people, is what makes it worth it. Um, I'm kind of curious for you to, like, dive into the behind the scenes. Mm. Like, and, and maybe you can even talk about it comparing what it was like in the beginning to what it's like now. Like, when you do one of these large events, like 100 people plus or, like, 1,000, like, what is even... What has to happen before that up until the moment when you're like there and like greeting people at the front? Like what is everything that's happening behind the scenes? Like what is even the timeline? Like how long would that take to do a yeah. thousand person event? Yeah, the, um, the normal sort of like lead time, um, I'll use that word, is probably two to three weeks. Mm. But I, I've, done a, I've done like an 800 person party in like two days. Uh, I was in San Francisco <laughs> and uh, my buddy Cliff was like, you should throw a party. And it was Wednesday and he's like, you should throw one on Friday. And I, I, I was like, okay, let's, let's try it. Why not? Um, that's the fastest one I've done. But um, how'd that go? <laughs> it, it was all right. It was fine. <laughs> people showed up. It was good diversity, but people were like, and you know, I reflected on this. People were like, what's the point of this party? Mm. Um, Cause I, like, I didn't know San Francisco and like, I don't think anyone there knew me as well. Uh, it was like my second event there, but it was still fun for us, you know, got to meet a lot of friends. And I think part of like uh, traveling is more fun when you like do an event because that's a it's a it's a warm way to sort of meet people. But going back to like behind the scenes, uh, I think about events from like a, uh, you know, there's four different elements of, of an event. Uh, the, the first one is like the the context and like the why, like why are you bringing people together? It's like the intention and it could be to connect investors and founders. It can be just for fun, but that has to be really clear in how you communicate and go to market uh, when you create the event. The, uh, the second thing is the, uh, the people. And this is not an order of importance. Uh, if it was, I would put people up top. Uh, so the people <laughs> curation, like who yeah. are you inviting and, and why are they going to be there? And also like more importantly, like how do you reach them? Like the distribution is huge. Most people are like, I want these people to come to my event, but they have no way of like marketing to those people. Uh, the third one is the venue, and that matters a lot because it sets like the energy of like, you know, the event. Um, and then the last one is the programming. So the programming is like what's even going on at the event. Um, I don't really have much programming. I have volunteers. You might have noticed that go around and like speak with people, and it's normally mm -hmm. like ten percent of the the attendees are volunteers. Uh, but like, what's going on? Do you have a musician? And and you know that sort of ties into the first component, which is like. Why are we here? Mm. So if you have those four things in mind, you can very quickly automate, you know, that's the playbook to do an event and you just master each one of those components and, um, you know, that's, that's how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing, um, and not to gas you up too much, but like I've gone to like a, a bunch of networking events in the city and I've always really enjoyed your ones. Um, and I think it's because it feels curated. Uh, the one that I... I also think it feels like there's like a diversity of people. It's not all just the same guy or like everyone's yeah. working in the same industry, um, which you definitely get at some events. Um, and like even just listening to you describe it, you know, like you're really deep in it. Like you, you know, like the, the details and like everything that you're putting together, like the experience isn't happening by accident. I'm curious, like, who do you... Who do you look at in the space? Um, like, who do you like look at in the space and you just like admire it? Like, you're that you're like that person does like a really good job. Um, yeah, there's there's a whole list of people. Um, I would say the one person that has been 
probably the most influential in terms of how I run my events is uh, is Nick Gray. Mm-hmm. You know Nick Gray? Yeah, he's on Twitter. He has a he released a book, right? Yeah, his book yeah. is uh it's called the Two Hour Cocktail Party. Okay, and it's literally a uh like a, a guidebook on how to like run a party. Yeah, and it's like everything you need is in there. And we we did an event together for Sam Parr and Sahil Plume, which I I know. You oh had yeah, on yeah, the I was pod. at that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, they tweeted out. They're like, "Who wants to do an event for us?" And and like me and Nick, I think messaged him, and and they and you know we got to do it with him. Uh, he introduced the idea of volunteers to me, which I think are probably the single best mechanism I've had in my events, because volunteers help people feel welcome as they arrive. You know, the first thing as a solo attendee, and I've I faced this many times. As you go into a venue, if it's a large venue, mm. um, it's it's awkward. There's like an awkward like ten minutes where you don't really speak with anyone, you don't know anyone, you don't know what's going on, mm. and so a warm smile and like a handshake from from someone who looks friendly really will change how you perceive that that moment and mm. and how you uh you know what you do in the next few minutes after that that single moment. Uh, so I've all my events now have volunteers except for the Junto Club that you went to. Those are mm. like smaller so i don't have volunteers there but he he has been very influential and he has a truly um he has, he has a deep passion for the space and mm. he's not just doing it for money he truly loves the space so i admire him a lot and he's probably probably been one of the most helpful people um that i've had in my network mm. now that's really cool that's really cool and i'm sure some of the people that you've met must have been uh really cool to work with um you know what, actually, let, 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 let's touch on that quickly. Um, the Sampar and Sahil Bloom event. Mm-hmm. We had Sahil on the pod. Yeah. Uh, great guy, like super humble, uh, really talented. Um, what was even like your experience like working with them? Like, um, how was it? It was, it was a good experience. Um, you know, we had, a, we had a group chat. I don't think we actually chatted live or in person. Yeah the three weeks leading to the event, we just planned the whole thing through a group chat. Yeah. Um, there's That's another great. guy, I'll give him credit, like Tops. He was also involved. So it was us, sort of us five. Mm. But yeah, the whole thing was done through group chat. We, we made a few like mistakes. We got the, vet, we got the location wrong yeah. uh, one time. But it was a fun experience. We had like hundreds of people show up and people had fun. And overall, good experience. Yeah. But I think for people who are not um, in the events world, it's like a lot you know, to show up at a venue and have like a thousand people there who are waiting for you. Yeah. That is a super overwhelming moment. And I don't know how Sam and Sahil felt. Um, they're like, nat- you know, they're great presenters and they're, you know, they're used to having a huge audience. But um, if I was them, I would have been like, damn, all these people are here for me. That's mm-hmm. kind of cool. It would make me a little bit nervous. But, you know, they crushed it. They, they gave a speech and the event, yeah, it, w- it went really well. Yeah. I've seen that at your events as well. I always think I'm like that. Maybe it's because of my, the way that my personality is. I'm like, that must be exhausting at a certain point. Because everyone, um, everyone comes for the event, but then you're like the common thread, right? Between everyone. Mm. So everyone that's there, like even when we went to uh, Junto Club, everyone knows you. So um, even when you talk about like the first 10 minutes, like the awkwardness, it's like, oh, I know that guy. Like, yeah, he's yeah, the reason yeah. I'm here. So you must just <laughs> yeah. be like, it's like you're constantly just getting like pulled and like in different conversations. And um, yeah, what is like, um, what is the other side of doing events? Like you, you mentioned, obviously, all the things that you love about it, like the connections, the, the impact that you're able to have, um, even like the surreal moments of just seeing all these people like connect to something that you put together. What is the stuff which is like, um, more difficult about it yeah it's a good way uh, of phrasing it yeah <laughs> yeah when i you know shit always goes wrong last minute and so those are really <laughs> stressful i did one event on a friday it was the new york tech week after party and there were like two thousand people there mm. and uh i was basically like running the club for the first three hours which sounds like dope sounds like he was running the club <laughs> but it was not fun because i had to put out fires not literally but i had to like do a bunch of operational things. I had to help sell, sell at the VIP booths, which was not fun. Um, I had to deal with like drunk people. I had yeah. to deal with lines. There was like a 40 minute line. I had to deal with that because I don't want people waiting in line. Yeah. Um, and so that, that shit is like the worst part about events, like the actual operations of it. And it, I couldn't even enjoy that party yeah. until like 2 a.m. when like it was like calmed down. But I would say the other thing is like exactly what you mentioned before, which is, 
uh, when I show up, a lot of people like, and I, I'm, and, and I hope I, this comes off in a more humble manner, but a lot of people like try to talk to me. Mm. Um, but that's not the purpose of the event. The purpose of the event is for them to connect with each other. And yeah, people will still like pitch me stuff and try to sell me stuff. And uh, that's really draining. So mm. I've started, I don't know if you've noticed, uh, but I've started wearing like, I don't wear a name tag. I wear like, I'm very like low key in, a, in the shadows at the, at mm. the big events. So I don't get like bothered. Yeah. Uh, that that's probably something I need to figure out or get used to or just do a better job of of acting, you know, on the spot. Yeah, yeah. You have um, I remember at university I was part of this thing called Warwick Africa Summit, which is like my university, like the like a two day conference, and we planned this thing for like months, and we got like speakers from Africa to like fly in for it and all this stuff, and. Uh, we have like the headline speaker, right? I think he was, it was like the vice president of Kenya. Wow. Um, yeah, like one of the students was like knew his family or something. And the event starts on Saturday. And I think on Thursday, and you have to think like we've sold tickets and like headline, like he's headlined the whole thing. Like we sold tickets off the back of like, this person is coming. Yeah. And then like, I think it's like Thursday night. He ain't coming anymore. Like it's over. Like um, that's tough. Yeah. That's really tough, dude. Yeah. And like, what are you gonna say to like the vice president of like? There's nothing to say, really. Um, you have any like just crazy stories of like just last minute shit just didn't work out and like you've had to pivot? Um, yeah. Anything I... come to mind? <laughs> nothing like that. I never had the VP of Kenya. <laughs> Um, my first and only event yeah, <laughs> like that. yeah that would scar me for life i've been like i'm done with events from that yeah. point on <laughs> let me think i've had a few bar owners last minute like last minute as in like one minute before the event starts change their mind and like charge me like double yeah and they're like hmm like we just like we realize we should be doing this amount today. and i don't like like signing stuff Okay. So like I, I'm I'm just like I'm actually like not organized at all. I don't like sign stuff. I don't want to sign a contract or anything. Yeah. And the last minute they'll be like, listen, like, uh, you know, the opportunity cost of tonight is too high. It's gonna cost like this amount, like double. Mm. And I was like, that just ruined my entire night. Yeah. So now I'm just thinking about how much money I lost. Um. Wait. So you just pay for that out of pocket? Some of them, yeah. Some of them, yeah. I I always put my card down at all the events because you have to hit min spend. Yeah. And I'm like, I hope people drink enough but i'm also not gonna like i'm never like drink more you've no never mentioned that yeah i've never, said, never that. said that and then sometimes a sponsor some of my events are sponsored mm. and they will like cover some of the cost um but you know most of it i would say when i was starting out like i spent a lot of money uh and then now it's like i mostly break even yeah yeah and i yeah. get sometimes i get free drinks or most of the time i get free drinks yeah that so gives me a bit of like buffer <laughs> but that that stuff like yeah, that was one party that happened pretty recently and it really pissed me off. And I, uh, um, yeah, it just ruined my night. Yeah, sure. yeah. I can see how. If my card was there, I'd be like, yeah. Yo. Sorry, sorry, people, but the event ain't happening anymore. Everyone so, get out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's my card on the table. I ain't doing this. Um, okay, sweet, sweet. You know, actually, I thought it was really interesting when you mentioned like the first 10 minutes of an event. Mm-hmm. From the perspective of someone that's going to the event, right? Because I know I've definitely felt that where, you know, you're going about your life. Like maybe it's like um, an event that's after work. Uh, you're walking to this event. You walk in, you see a bunch of people. A lot of the times they're already talking, like they're already in their own groups. And there's like this awkwardness that suddenly hits you where you're like, I don't know. It's almost like you're back at school and like everyone's talking yeah. and you ain't got a table to sit at for lunch. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, who the fuck do I go up to and yeah, like yeah. insert myself into this thing? Um, how can people like do better in the first 10 minutes of an event? Yeah. Um, go to the line. Go to the highest traffic area you can find and just mm. put yourself there mm. and you, you will meet a friend. And so at any event, that's like usually the beverage line. It's like the name tag station. Um, it's uh, maybe there's like an actual line for the event, which is like mm. the good part of having a line. It's like people apparently at my events, like people like meet each other in line, which is great. Mm. Uh, but find the most high traffic area and just plant yourself there um, and like make eye contact with people and try to co- start a conversation. Mm. The other thing is like volunteer, volunteer at an event. 
I think not every event has volunteer opportunities, but mine always do. So you can always volunteer at mine. Um, or like get there early and speak with the host and ask the host for an introduction. Mm. You know what? And I, and I think it's an interesting point. And I, I love that point actually of just like find a line. Yeah. Because there's always <laughs> a line somewhere. Like just yeah. find a line. Because <laughs> usually I'm just standing around. I'm like, oh, God damn it. Just yeah. have to do this thing, man. Um, but um, you have a lot of people, obviously, like when they come to your events, uh, they come and talk to you, obviously. And they're like pitching something or maybe it's even just like a casual conversation. From all of your experience, I'm sure you must have met like thousands, thousands of people doing this at this point. Um, when you meet someone, what makes, the, what makes someone like stand out? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that would, um, they'd want to be cool with you or yeah. like have some sort of like friendship or something um, or even just a connection, like moving past that event. From your perspective, if you had to think of the people that you were like, you spoke to and you're like, oh, this person's actually cool. Like I would actually hang out with them mm -hmm. or like do business with them, whatever. Um, what makes someone stand out? Yeah, I, I'd say there's like two categories of people. So one is like exactly what you said, which is yeah. like someone is like really chill, really uh, just a great presence. And they provide value not by like selling themselves or like being, um, you know, trying to prove themselves. They're instead providing value by uh, being present, being kind, uh, you know, giving acceptance, giving um, attention to you, giving approval to you, which is like the three, you know, the three things uh, people need. Um, and just having a really great interaction with you where you leave and you're like, damn, I loved speaking with that person. Mm. Speak to them for hours. And maybe that's charisma. Maybe that's reverse charisma. I don't really know what it is, but it, there's something there that most people can sort of develop a skill on um, and then follow up. You know, it's all about the follow up. The, the second category of person, and maybe this is like more specific to me, but uh, really eccentric people, like really unique and interesting people that mm. don't subscribe to like normal like norms and don't care <laughs> about like things that most people care about. Yeah. Um, yeah, just really strange, interesting people. And I say that in the most positive way I, I can. And I would, they'll just be stuck in my head. Yeah. And I'll be like, I have to like figure that person out. Yeah. I have to like contact them and yeah. figure out what's going on and like what they're working on and you know, how they think about the world. Yeah. But it's mostly the first category because like, you know, people in the second category will like, maybe they can be rude. And, you know, so like the first, if you're trying to stand out in an event, um, do the first option and then, and then follow up. Yeah. Be my tip. Yeah. You know, on the, on the second category, I almost feel like, that's something that's like it's hard to listen to and then be able to like implement that i feel like you're almost yeah. you're just like that like certain people you meet and it's weird sometimes i won't even have to talk to someone to like see that they're like just eccentric <laughs> and different like you just kind of look at them you're like yeah that that yeah. cat's a bit different like he yeah, just yeah. he just got some interesting things going on right um but yeah no i think definitely the first thing is something that anyone can do. Is Good like, advice. Yeah, yeah. Better advice than the second one. <laughs> Just be a centric. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, what about on the other end? Like, um, like no-goes. Like, if someone was listening mm. to this, it's like, it's like okay, I ho I've done tons of events. If you go to a networking event, like, please do not do these things. Yeah. Like, what are, the <laughs> what are these things? Yeah, the first is, is it's more like table stakes. It's like, just don't be like rude. Don't be disrespectful. Mm. You know, those are just like, you're, you're out of my world forever. Yeah. Uh, I had this guy in, uh, in San Francisco. I did an event there and he like marches up to me. And, and this was when I worked for Facebook. He was like, why did you ban my account? And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? And I'm like running an event and he throughout the night keeps coming to me. Mm. And I'm, this is like the worst experience. I'm like, I recognize his face. I still remember it. I'm like, you, you're gone from all my events. Yeah. Um, stood out in the, in the wrong he way. He stood out. He stood out. Yeah. <laughs> I would say the, uh, the more subtle example or the more subtle um, tip is uh, don't be overly transactional. And I think a lot of people think that someone might respect the fact that they're so direct and maybe ambitious and to the point. But if you go to an event and all you're looking for is a job and you're very clear about that. Nobody's going to want to talk to you, Yeah, you know, or you're just looking for, for money for investments. Uh, I had a few examples of, of people I've met that have been like that. Like, like where can I find the investors that like, uh, I'm just, this is my one goal. Mm. I don't want to meet anyone else. I don't care about anyone else in this room. 
I only care about the one outcome I want to drive, which is I need money for my startup. Mm. And that's like, that's fair, right? Uh, but it's also kind of a buzzkill. Mm. So I think you need to add a layer on top of that. Just be like a nice, uh, you know, kind person and like have a conversation and like play the game a little bit and just don't be that direct. Yeah. You know what I say? I say it's like, um, like be a cool person first. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's weird because, or it's not weird, but it's interesting, like even working, because I started off in consulting. I then worked at a startup. I'm now trying to build my own thing 100% of the time. And the one thing, if I think about the hiring um, in like the consulting world, which was more corporate, and then the same in the startup world, or even like now with the podcast, like getting guests, the one thing that is common is like, just be a cool person. Like that's what it, <laughs> that's what it starts with yeah. is like, can I like hang out with this guy? I remember in consulting, they called it like the, the flight test. Yeah. Like, yeah. can I go to an airport and like sit next to this guy on a plane and not be like, what the fuck have I just done? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, and it's cool. Like when you just focus on being a cool person and like having interesting things that you're doing, mm -hmm. a lot of the other things happen naturally. So like, if you're looking for, a, if your motive is that you're looking for a job, a lot of the times, like those things are actually going to kind of happen naturally mm -hmm. because people are going to be like, I love hanging out with him or her and he or she, like she's talented as well. And now it's like, you're kind of stacking things on top of each other. It's like, you kind of want to get things to the point where it's like a no brainer. It's like, wait, I love hanging out with this person. They're good at what they do. Uh, like this is a no brainer that I would hire them. This mm -hmm. is a no brainer that I would invest in their company or I would meet them for coffee or come on their podcast. Um, and I think that's my thing that I've found. And I remember even in university, like I always found the term networking, like kind of weird because it yeah. almost, it implies the motive. Like it implies like I'm trying to, I'm like only meeting people to get something. Um, and I think that kind of, I think a lot of people are trying to network. Mm. And I think the people that are really the best that I've seen or interacted with, they ain't, they're not networking. Mm. They're just being cool. Being cool. You're building like long-term relationships. And yeah. I think they're like, they're thinking from a lens of like decades, mm. not like, you know, if you go to an event and you're like, you're just looking for a job that like, you're thinking from the perspective of like three, four months mm. um, versus like thinking in, in decades. So mm. I think that's a really great point. Yeah. And I think it's also just the energy is different. You can feel the energy when someone doesn't need like anything from you. Mm, and yeah. I think we're all kind of looking for like authentic experiences, like genuine experiences. And that's kind of how you create that. Uh, the authenticity is like, this person doesn't need anything. It's like, we're literally only reason we're connecting is because we both like being in each other's like presence. Um, yeah, no, like I think it's, uh, I think it's a good point. Um, I want to talk about the cities, the cities. I remember even in your, in your bio, you mentioned that there's like, you're doing events in five cities. Uh, you've obviously lived in a bunch of cities, traveled to a bunch of cities, hosted events in a bunch of cities. I'm curious, what is the best city to host an event? It's Don't... obviously New York. It's <laughs> obviously New York. <laughs> Why? But, uh, you know, I, New York, I have the, um, the biggest uh, network of like sponsors, partners, and venues here where I can like make the event really good from a, from a people curation perspective. Uh, but also from like an event production perspective, mm. um, in terms of like some of the differences between the cities. So when people sign up to an event, uh, at least the big ones, I'm, you know, I normally, I have a form and I'm like, what, like, why are you attending? Mm. Like, what's the intention? And the reason I do that is so I can like later try to like curate a little bit and try to help. Mm. Um, in New York, I think it was like close to 50% or above 50% where people come looking to make new friends or they come just for fun in san francisco that number was like significantly lower uh, i think it was like 20 to 30 percent most people come looking for investors which mm. is interesting like a lot everyone that came and it's a really small sample size you know san francisco was like a thousand to fifteen hundred emails uh, new york is much bigger it's like fifteen thousand emails mm. uh, but like most of the people that came to my event in san fran were like builders who like just needed funding mm. and that definitely like threw off the vibe the event. Mm. Uh, I think New York is unique in the sense that people come and they're everything we talked about. They're like cool. They're kind. They're generous. They're, um, you know, they're they're present. Uh, but they're also like super ambitious. So it's mm. always like rapport. 
and relationship first and then business also happens but not in that very moment mm. that is a cool way to that's such an interesting like um that's just an interesting data point as well like People in New York, they're kind of more coming for like the fun and like yeah. the actual. I was surprised. Yeah. Super surprised. Yeah. I think it was like 56% or something. The last party. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's cool. Um, What about Toronto? What would yeah. you say about like, what's kind of the vibe there? Toronto is, <clears throat> so New-, New York is a place where there's an event every night and mm. it's almost like overly saturated. Toronto's, Toronto's not like that. There's like. Not that much going on. It's mm. like a really dope city. I spent seven years there and the people there are really great. Mm. But there aren't that many events. So when you do one there, everyone's like, wow, we have to go. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of all, almost like attracts like a, um, like a different crowd, different vibe. People who are there are like very grateful that there's an event happening. Mm. And they put on like, you know, they are, and I see this in New York as well, but they put, they're their best self. They're the best, mm. most generous, um, best self. Mm. Um, and, and there's a different energy when people are um, truly present. Um, other than that, the demographics are pretty similar um, to New York City, which is people come uh, sort of just for fun and to make friends. Yeah. Is there um? It's interesting, like the differences, the differences between the cities. And I would say even with New York, um, obviously I've never thrown an event here, but just living here, New York is a very unique place in like i've been to different cities but none has such a like a distinctive energy to new york and it's even funny when like my i'll have like friends from london that come here and i can tell for the first few days they're here they're almost like confused yeah like the place like kind of throws you off like yeah you're like what the f-? Like, like there's just so much like random stuff happening and there's such like a mix of people you're like what in the world is happening um it's a very unique place to be yeah um for sure it's uh the way i see it is like you know everyone comes here for one reason and it's like again kind of corny but it's like to chase their ambitions and their dreams mm. like nobody here nobody came here to like chill yeah you know <laughs> nobody came here to like retire or anything people came here to like like grind and work yeah. hard so that that itself produces a different level of energy yeah you know what it is as well like the city doesn't let you chill yeah you can't chill like, like if you literally have nothing to do it's like hard to be here like it's generally it's like difficult it's yeah it's interesting you say that one of my mentors uh he used to live in like thailand for like 20 30 years and he was like there it's like it's hard to grind like mm-hmm. the default is chill mm-hmm. and he just moved here for a job and he's like it's hard to chill in new york i find it really hard to relax yeah i'm always on and i never thought about it that way but it's it's true i'm never like not doing anything yeah not 100 percent. like if i if i need to chill i'm like i leave like i need to go somewhere else like I can't... that's a good tweet if i need to chill i leave <laughs> yeah i just bounce um, what is is there a city uh in your mind that you're like i need to host an event there Ooh. um i don't know i so i think like traveling and like throwing like i mentioned this before but like when you travel and you do an event there it's a really nice warm start mm. and meeting people and then like to meeting the community there yeah. So there are places that I want to like travel to and I'm curious to what the energy is like. And so I would do an event, but there, I don't think there's a place where I'm like itching to throw an event. Uh, but in the first category, you know, those places like Ber- I love Berlin mm. and I feel like there's like a thriving tech scene. But there's also like a crazy like party scene. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard like, of that. It's like, cra- like crazy. So that's, that's a place that comes to mind or like Budapest, um, maybe like Tokyo but I, I'm literally cool. cool. I don't even know how I'd do an event in Tokyo. Like I don't, it's so out of like my comfort zone in terms of like, how do you find a venue? Like what's the culture there? Yeah. So maybe that's like, this is like level six and that's like level 10. Yeah. Know. You know what? You should do an event in like, I don't know, a Tokyo, Berlin. Mm. And you should also like, it would just be cool to see like the behind the scenes. Yeah. Of, and it'd be cool to see how you just take it from like zero to one. <laughs> Like seeing that the actual event and like you could put the footage in from like the actual event and then just seeing like where you started, I don't know, like on the phone, like just calling yeah. some random people, like putting your card down or whatever. Um, yeah, it's like the, it's like the fire festival. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it doesn't turn out like the fire festival, but yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, sick. Okay. So, um, 
I feel like there's going to be a few people that listen to this and they're like, I want to start doing events. Yeah, sure. Um, even what you said, so. yeah, like even what you said around like, it's a cool way to to introduce yourself to like a new community to like go somewhere new and you like do events and you can instantly start meeting people. Um, I know if I was going to think about doing an event, um, I would have two things would come to mind. Like, am I the right person? Like, can I curate the right vibe? Like, how do I make the experience good? And then the second thing would be like, how do I get people to show up? <laughs> can you kind of take those like two insecurities away? Like how, first of all, like when you're thinking about the experience, like what are some of the first things that you're thinking about um, and like working through in your mind so it's actually like something beneficial to people? Like what mm. is, what comes to mind first? I think the, you know, the easy thing about New York is that people always want to go out. People are itching to do cool stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, with every event, you need like an anchor, which is sometimes it's like the people like the vice president of Kenya, <laughs> like maybe that's the anchor. Or usually mine, when I started off, it was like a rooftop, like a really dope rooftop. Like I'm doing yeah. this event on the 23rd. It's like a penthouse. Yeah. Um, so like a really I cool venue yeah. uh, where people are like, I definitely want to be there because I'm. I live in New York for a reason and it's mm. to do cool things like that mm. or it's like a type of person or it's like a, you know, context. So that's the first thing you have to figure out your anchor. Um, I think your second part was like, how do you get people to show up? Mm. Uh, it depends on like the, uh, you know, the, the scale of the event. If it's like 50 people, you could probably like email everyone and, you know, there are mechanisms that you can incorporate to sort of like de-risk uh, your, your, you know, your attendance. Um, but I would assume with any event, like for the average person, like at least like 20% of your RSVPs would show up. Mm. Um, I think where it gets really tricky is, is when people like purely do it because they want to make money. Um, and like, you know, I, I, I had someone in my network who was trying to do an event and like she booked out a venue, put her cart down and then try to sell tickets to cover the cost of the venue. Mm. And like, no one's going to pay 20 bucks to go to an event, a random event. They don't, you know, they don't no, know. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, just, just figuring out that part, um, but also using like the 20% as a, as a baseline. Yeah. Anyone you invite, 20% will show up. Yeah. yeah. Have you thought about or have you even ever done like ticketed, like paid for events? Never done a ticketed event. Uh, I, I, I don't like charging people. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. I just don't, don't like doing it. It's never, yeah. also, I don't ever see it being like an actual business. Um, I did an Equinox uh, spin class last Friday. Yeah, yeah. And I charged people 20 bucks, but I, I, I gave it back. Yeah. You know, it's a deposit. And okay, even the people okay. canceled, I gave it back. I'm like way too nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm too nice for this shit. I'm, too, I'm way too nice. Maybe I'm in the wrong business, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, cool. Okay, one, one um, two more things I want to touch on. Cool. Um, you mentioned when you were talking about how people can do like, you're going to networking events, you're trying to meet people, how they can do it correctly. And one of the things you spoke about was like, um, that the best people get right is not only the initial interaction and just having like an authentic vibe and just being cool, it's also the follow-up. Mm -hmm. The people, because I think the follow-up is like, the follow-up is a, is a spot where it can immediately become transactional. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just be curious from your perspective, like how does someone do the follow-up correctly or yeah. who are the people that you've seen who have done the follow-up correctly? Like what is it like, what is it they're getting right? It's really hard. Uh, you're right. It's like, it's an, it's an art and yeah. it's, it's hard to teach, but you know, a few things come to mind, which is uh, the first one is like, if we met an event and we vibe and, and we do vibe, and you know, I, I get your Instagram, whatever. Then that's yeah. just like natural. Yeah. Um. So that's the first one. Focus on being authentic and like just a good, nice person to speak with. The uh, the second thing is, um, in in you know, in the conversation, there are a few things I like to dig out. And I mentioned this in the beginning. One of them is like, what are your goals? And mm. I you know, I say that in a more organic way. It's not the first thing I say. I'm like, <laughs> what are your New Year's resolutions? Um, it's like an interview as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually did that at a party and like I, I said it to a girl and she was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I was like, what are your New, Year, New Year's resolutions? Um, I don't know why I said that. 
but yeah, it's, I, I try to figure out, uh, you know, I try to read someone and try to figure out in the first like five minutes, like, what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? Why are you here? What are you struggling with? Mm. And then once I have those pieces of information, I have your contact information and then I can follow up after with value because mm. now I know I can send you like a book. I can send you a resource. You know, mm. I can send you, I can introduce you to someone that's like immediate value. And I think that's what most people don't do, whether it's an IRL, um, interaction or it's like a zoom call it's they leave the call and they have nothing to work with they, mm. they can't continue to thread but you know just in the last five minutes ask them like what you know how not how can i help some people do that uh but it can come off as transactional it's like mm. this person is obviously trying to build something with me but instead like just ask them about their goals their challenges and then internalize that think about it dig up some stuff to help them out and then that's your follow-up yeah is all of this like mental like when you're when you're speaking with them is it um you're literally just remembering these details or like after the conversation are you like writing down notes of like i'm, I'm kind of interested to get like the the process behind it or is it literally yeah. just like you've got this person's instagram and you just remember like oh yeah they mentioned this in the conversation like maybe when i follow up i'll just yeah the uh, the the best most productive conversations most energizing conversations i've had I always left, I always leave with like writing a few things down and I always mm. send them a doc. Like I had a conversation with this uh, director today at Google and we were just like jamming and I'm like, we should do this, 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 like, here's what you're working on. Here's how I can help. And then I followed up with a Google doc. Mm. I'm like, uh, and I think we we'll, we'll probably at some point have an interaction like that. Or maybe we already did. It's like, yeah. here are some things we got to do. And you were like, I got to put you in the pod. Yeah, yeah. Like, I got to introduce you to like Rachel, you know, all these different things. Yeah. So I think, yeah, those, those are the best conversations when you leave, when you have like a ton of notes, but yeah, you got to write it down. Yeah. I don't know. You seem like to have really good memory because yeah. you ran this whole session, you know, <laughs> like no notes or anything. I'm like, wow. So maybe you don't need it, but I definitely need it. Yeah. No, that's it. That, that's good. And I kind of like it because it's almost, um, I have this thing in my mind. If you're being really a big word for me, is like authenticity yeah. um, and being genuine. And if you're doing it, you shouldn't actually have, it's kind of weird if you're having like, not every conversation is going to be amazing. There's yeah. going to be certain people that you click with. Um, I remember I even wrote this on Twitter. I was like, if you're being authentic, you'll almost be a bit naturally polarizing. There'll be some people that you really get on with. Yeah. And then there'll be, I'm not saying it needs to be like a confrontation or a conflict, but there'll be some people that you're like, oh, that person is just not for me. Yeah. And I like what you said because it's like the people that are for you, it's like the, it's a weird way to say it, but like the, the action items will be so apparent and so clear. Mm. Like it will be obvious what you want to follow up on and what you want to talk about next. Yeah. And that's also a good way to know like, oh, like I actually just had a really good conversation with this person. The fact that there's like two or three threads that I actually want to follow up on. Yeah. And that's, that's actually a cool way to even frame the follow up is like, if you couldn't get anything from this person, would you actually just want to talk to them again? Mm. Versus being like, well, I need a job and this person works at Google and I love to yeah. work at Google. So I'm going to yeah. hit them up. Um, I like that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's almost like the energy of the person. Yeah. Um, and that happens with a lot of like high performing people doing interesting things. Um, like, I don't know Like you meet someone and, and you're like impressed and it's like, I don't know how we can like partner on anything, but I just admire energy and I want to be around you. And hopefully mm -hmm. you want to be around me as well. I think that's a valid reason to, uh, you know, continue a relationship with someone. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Let's, let's end on this. I thought it was um I thought it was interesting earlier in the conversation cuz you're like you're obviously really good at it like the event stuff. I'm gassing you up way too much. <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> I need to like say like five bad things like, to balance it out. Um but you're good at this stuff. <laughs> um I thought it was interesting that you said like this isn't like my end goal necessarily like there's, there's things that you want to do past events um what makes you say that yeah i you know i i look at my career right now and i have like there's a few constraints uh which is both helpful but also harmful uh and one of them is like 
I'm an immigrant on a visa. So that sort of limits my ability to do a lot of things. Mm. Um, so right now I sort of see, you know, I have my full-time job. I have like a bunch of random things in there. And then I have the events, which I sort of see as almost like an escape from the full-time job. Mm. And it's where I get to like unleash like my creative energy and get to experiment and try new things without like boundaries. Mm. Um, I think and there's going to be a point where, you know, I'm not working like a big tech job anymore, um, which would also mean something different for the events. Mm. And that's like what I said is super abstract, mm. uh, but it's my way of saying, you know, from a personal perspective, the events do it for me right now. Uh, maybe in like five years, uh, it's going to serve a different purpose in my life. Maybe full time, probably not. Um, or maybe someone else takes it over or something. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You have any, you have any idea in your mind what it could be? Like, do you think about, and not even just what's next, like, do you even think about like what an endpoint would be or what it would look like? So the things that fascinate, fascinate me right now is like one is the reason I'm trying to build um, more intention behind the events, which is like the deal flow newsletter, the helping founders get, you know, uh, fundraising is because I want to be helpful. And so that's one route I'm going to continue down, which is like, how do I have impact on other people in a positive way and help people get jobs, founders get money, investors get deal, that sort of thing. Um, I'm going to continue that, that path. And the way I potentially see it evolving is, um, you know, Sahil probably says this, Naval says this, but like the idea of leverage and mm. like, you know, media is one. So maybe it turns into like a media thing. Maybe I do what you do. I don't know. Mm. That's one path. The other path is um, I'm fascinated by hospitality, which is like this year I want to do like a concert or a music festival because that mm. stuff just, it's so cool. Mm. And the thing about hospitality is that you get to influence how someone feels when they enter your space mm. and they leave with memories, uh, which you get to design. Mm. And I think that's a really powerful and energizing thing. Um, and then the third path is probably, and you know, maybe I can run these in parallel, but the third one is probably something that aligned the lines along the lines of like, uh, being able to sort of like elevate startups because I, I have admiration for entrepreneurship and people mm. that build companies. Um, so maybe that's like as an investor, I don't really know much about that space, like the investing stuff, to be honest. But, you know, maybe there's something there where I, get to, I can like incubate startups or mm. help them, you know, get money, that yeah. sort of thing. You know what comes to mind? I think, I think um, some of the best people that we've had on the pod, one thing they do really well they create optionality in their life. Mm. So a lot of the times you're not actually going to know the direct path forward or exactly what you're going to do. And I think when that's the case, it's like, okay, just increase the amount of options that you could have. Mm. Yeah. And then it's like, the next question is then how do you increase the number of options? And I think it's exactly what you said, which is like, be helpful. Like yeah. have some value or something that you can like, give to the world or you're known for and even when you talk about like the Sahil and Sam event it's something special that someone's going to do an event and like someone and, and they obviously have like hundreds of thousands of followers between like the different platforms podcasts everything that they do the fact that they would want you to do it that's like that is creating optionality in itself like you're becoming known for something like you're um, people are trusting you with something uh, there's something that you directly provide value to doing um, and I think I really one thing I, I like about the podcast is being able to like inspire people through other people's stories mm. and I, I, I even like that aspect to what you're saying which is like it's not exactly clear exactly what I'm going to do but I'm creating optionality and this is how I'm doing it. And I think that's a lesson for everyone, which is like, um, you don't need to have the whole thing figured out, but just be in the process of like, right. just creating a few more options, like giving, giving yourself roots, yeah. like threads that you could go down. Um, I just think it's a much more manageable way to kind of get to that like ideal life or ideal job or whatever mm -hmm. that you want to do. Uh, I love that. Yeah. And I think creating options and then you probably have like a vague sense, but you have a North star of where you want to head, which mm. is for you. It seems like it's like 
inspiring people through mm. other people's stories and but generally inspiring people um so i think if you have yeah vague sense of direction and then uh you know you pursue that direction with the intention of creating options mm. then i think you're on the right path yeah it's interesting i think a lot about like uh like what's the north star i think for me it's like i just want people to think they can do anything that's cool yeah i like I, I, and I think the reason it's, it feels like a personal thing for me, because there's been so many moments and like even growing up and going to school, and I saw it a ton with like my peers, um, which is like there were certain career paths that they felt they had to go down or like even once you start working, they feel like they have to work at a job for two years uh, even if they don't like it because it's like once I hit the two years then I can leave and yeah. do something else like there's yeah. there's just so many things that we think we have to do right. and I felt like I that, that as well yeah and I think that's why for me at this point I'm like I want people to like listen to this shit and be like I can just cool. do whatever I want yeah and then I'm gonna bring you a bunch of guests that show you you can do whatever the that's fuck cool. you want that's I love that um, great way to end and like help people unleash yeah unleash, oh I like, like that help people unleash their best version of themselves I love that yeah yeah that's a wrap, man. Yeah. It was a pleasure having you on. That's, that was great. That's dope, <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the channel. We're having fire conversations every week on the podcast. Before we end the episode, a quick word from our sponsor, Free Agency. What if I told you there is a good chance you're leaving money on the table in your career? It would kind of annoy you a bit, right? Well, Free Agency aims to stop that. They represent and manage talent in the tech industry. Here's how they do it. First, they provide you with a dedicated talent agent. Think about this as your career quarterback. They understand you and your career goals. Based on that understanding, they bring you suitable interviews at top firms. You focus on smashing the interview and together with their network, research, negotiation expertise, they will make sure you get a top of market salary. Stop job searching alone and start building your dream career today with free agency.